Hello and welcome to the Give Yourself the Chat podcast. I'm your host, Peter Lewis, and this show is all about leadership, coaching, and living a life of high performance. So welcome, everyone. This is the um, Give Yourself the Chat podcast. In today's episode, I've got a dear friend of mine, Andreas Kishwari, um, on. Andreas, very good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Peter. I'm absolutely fantastic. It's a, a beautiful Easter Monday. Yeah. Well, this, this shows our commitment, you know, the working on a bank holiday. Um, but as, <laughs> the thing I said to you, in this sort of COVID-19 lockdown, all days are merging um, in, into one. So before we get on to your background, how, how are you? Keeping healthy and you're, you're fighting fit? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm doing reasonably well. And um, I think I struggled a bit in, in the first couple of weeks. But, um, you know, having having established a routine and, um, you know, as a company, we've, we've transitioned to working from home. Um, we're lucky in the, in the games industry that that's really, really easy to do or relatively easy to do. And we're still a small company. So so that was good. I'm keeping healthy. Um, not had any symptoms uh, in the good. last five weeks or so. And you know, considering I'm, I'm on my own, I think I'll, I'll be just fine. I'll be weathering it just okay. Awesome. And I, and I guess there's a lot of baking of bread and all that fantastic stuff that you do, which yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I always uh, smell from here. It's, it's so funny because um, literally, like, maybe I, I always do, like, large orders of, of flour like, whenever I run out, and I got a large order just before the lockdown. Uh, and now you can't get flour anywhere. So I think there'll be a, a real renaissance of baking in yeah. the which I think is fantastic because home-baked bread is just amazing. So It's just the best thing. It's the best thing. So I remember, so for our listeners, um, we go back, I would say about sort of three or four years now where, um, so you're, you're in the video games industry and one of my clients was Splash Damage, um, you know, AAA studio in Bromley and Kent there. And for three years, we, we worked at Splash Damage together. I was running the leadership development program. You were very much part of that. You were the first part of the cohort that came through and then you helped me develop it and refine it and, and ultimately end up delivering it. And uh, you've since gone on to, to other things, myself included, but very fond memories of our time at Splash. And, and one of the themes for today to explore is, is sort of company culture and how do you create that kind of thing. And, and I think we've, we've certainly had a good grounding in that, but previously also past experiences. So why don't you just give us a little bit of sort of potted history as, as to what brings you up to this point? You can start with present work back or go back as far as you want. Well, that's, that's a loaded question. I think what got me, what got me to this point, I mean, I've, I've been in, in, in the games industry for, for 20 odd years now, and it's not my, my actual background. I get way back when I did a, a degree in chemistry and then believe it or not, I was flying helicopters for a while and, and, so I've had a, a very kind of checkered past, to, to put it mildly, but um, sort of around 2000, I, I, I fell into the games industry and, and I've always played games. I've always been uh, in love with games. So I, I also fell in love with the industry and, and I kind of made a career out of that. Um, and, and probably for about half of that, I, I spent time in, in leadership roles. Um, I very quickly actually moved into a leadership role after about two or three years, becoming a small team lead and... Uh, you know, looking back on that now, um, I realized just just how bad I was as as a leader at the time. Um, you know, like as as most people, you know, I got promoted because I was good at what I was doing, uh, and I got promoted into a leadership role because everybody thought, right, he's good at what he's doing, so he must be good at leading others, and, and that didn't really turn out to be the case. Um, I then moved on into design, um, and I've been a designer for for about twelve, thirteen years now. 
and then at Splash Damage, I became became a creative director. And I think it was at Splash Damage where um, I really like thanks to the program that, that you and, and the leadership at Splash kind of instigated as well. Um, I learned a lot about what, what real leadership um, was all about and also about, you know, uh, company culture and, 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 and values. Um, and there's been a, a couple of companies in my, in my career where I, I felt okay. Uh, and it was, it was, it was, the project was fun and the team was, the team was great. I've, I've rarely been in, te- in, in companies where the team wasn't great. The people on the ground weren't great. Um, but something just didn't, feel quite right yeah uh, and at splash for the first time everything kind of came together um like i felt at home the company felt good i, I was aligned with the values and with the culture there and I, I helped uh you know propagate those values and culture um and then yeah random chance i was between projects at splash and a friend of mine uh fernando had this this crazy idea of let's do our own company um well, it was not. It's, it's, it's his idea of, of starting a, an, an indie games publisher label. Um, he's, he's been dreaming about this for a long time. And on one cold Montreal winter morning, winter evening, after a couple of beers, he, he told me about it. And I was like, well, would you like a partner? And then, so that's, that's how I rolled from there. And then, yeah, so we've, we started a company called Modern Wolf about, you know, 10 months ago now. Uh, pretty much exactly 10 months ago. Um, Is it really? Gosh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. First year then. June, June last year. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so we're, we're, we're five people now coming, you know, soon to be six people. Um, and that's that. So it was a, it was a radical shift. And, and despite being super happy at Splash, it felt like the, the right move for me at the time. And, and you know, a new challenge in, in my career, basically. Brilliant. So. Brilliant. There's, well, there's quite a few things and I've made notes as you, you went along there. The, you, you talked about sort of rising to levels of leadership because you're you're good at your your job and that and that happens a lot i mean how else do companies tend to reward their people for for great work they say well you're a great technician go here's 10 technicians and go and look after them and of course you know it's, it's and we, we've often talked about it on the the leadership program you, you kind of rise to the level of your own incompetence so i think it's called the peter principle it's not not me as a peter <laughs> lewis but but that idea of that you just you, you rise to that level and you find yourself what got to you here won't get you there i.e what gets you promoted is a whole different set of skills so perhaps we'll unpack some of that in a minute and then um the culture at splash damage i mean I'm, i remember the first time we did a leadership conference at splash and uh you know uh, the ceo at the time gabe paul gave me the, the chance to speak to the entire studio and the first things i said was it's like coming home there was something really special about that time which i know you've also carried on through to, to modern wolf and i know modern wolf is about almost disrupting that relationship between publisher and, and development studios. And um, so there's a lot of things to unpack there. Why don't, we, um, why don't we just go back to that idea of being thrust into leadership and kind of if you, if you knew then what you know now, what would you do differently, do you think? Well, that's a trick question because... Um, I'm probably, probably trying to catch you out. <laughs> no, I probably, like, if I'm really honest, right? Um, and, and if I... If I Put a, if I stop, don't pretend that I'm humble at this point in time, right? I would probably not do anything different because one of the main reasons why people want to want to get promoted, particularly early on in their careers, is because it comes with a pay increase, right? Yeah. Um, and at the time, I was, you know, I was testing video games, so my salary was rubbish, um, and I was being promoted to a lead tester, and, and that came with a substantial salary increase. Now, 
the, the correct Andreas would have said, no, I'm not ready to lead people. I'm going to stick with where I am and, and not take the pay cut. But realistically speaking, nobody does that. No. Um, in hindsight, what I would do differently is I would have, I, I, I wish I would have, you know, realized that my skill set has changed completely, that I was no longer testing games, but that I was now responsible for the well-being of other human beings. And, and at that time, what I should have done is learned, right? And in, in my spare time, whenever possible, you know, make myself smarter around leadership, make myself smarter around what it means to, to be responsible for other people. Um, obviously, at the time, I didn't know that. Like, if I, could do, if I could change one thing, that would be it, is that I, would, that I would learn, that I would learn earlier about leadership and what it means. That, that's interesting to say that because I, I, I've come to the same conclusion. So, you know, you and I share a sort of similar background. I mean, I didn't fly helicopters or anything, but we had that sort of military past um, uh, that, that kind of informs it. And, and I sometimes think, having been a leader for 20 years in the military, knowing now what I, you know, if I knew then what I know now, what would I do? And I think it would be, I would, I would become a more voracious learner about the art and craft of leadership from a much earlier stage. I've done most of my studying leadership outside of that environment. And I don't know if it was just being swept up with just the immediacy of operations and all the other things that just means you don't really take the time, but I would probably take my more studious, the student of leadership, I would take back then. Cause I think you just, the growth would be exponential then, but you know, I'd, like you, I probably wouldn't change a thing because it brings you to where you are in life, of course, but that's, you know, no, I, and I mean, my, my, my earliest memory as a leader was actually in the military. Um, excuse me. And that, that was, you know, when I was first put in charge, um, I, w- I never rose, you know, to your rank. I was a non-commissioned officer at the lower ranks. I, only, I did mandatory service in Austria and then I stayed a little bit longer. Um, but the, uh, you know, I was briefly in charge of a platoon, um, like during certain periods of the day when the more senior officers uh, basically led us. And my, my very first experience was uh, making my platoon march around the football pitch four times uh, before lunch because someone talked while we were marching. And I was in power and I abused that power. And what yeah. I didn't realize at all was that I not only made them march for no particular reason, but I actually kept them from the one thing that was really important to them, which was their lunch. Yeah. Um, so... In the end, I got them to be quiet, but it was the, the absolute wrong thing to do. And, and now every single you know, fiber in my body screams at me going, what on earth were you thinking? You, <laughs> so, you know. But, but that, I mean, it, it, when you think about it now, you cringe. I mean, I had a similar moment. It was just really small, but it involves food. We were doing um, winter warfare training um, with the Marine commandos. And uh, we were in one of these big inflatable heated tents doing a big briefing and somebody had hung up their, their Arctic smock and um, out of the pocket fell uh, a chocolate bar. And, and what this represented to me was the Marine hadn't secured their possessions by doing their button up. So what did I do? Being the all-knowing sort of second lieutenant, I took the, the chocolate bar and had it for myself, thinking I'm going to demonstrate to everyone that you should secure your kit. I mean, what a dick. I mean, I look back on that now and I'm so embarrassed to even think that I thought that was the right thing to do at the time. And there's, there was moments in my, in my early career as a leader where there's similar kind of elements where the fact that I was in charge, the fact that I had power over others um, was abused by me. Um, never quite as bad. Um, and it was usually little things, but there are moments where 
well, I wish I could go back and I, I, I could talk to myself and say, like, what are you thinking? Like, you're creating stress, you're creating mental, um, well, uh, you know, you're threatening mental well-being, you're creating stress, you're creating pressure on somebody for no other reason than, than you can. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and then I think back on a lot of leadership that I had in, in my career, um, people above me, that, and I see similar patterns, right, where, where people just because they are in power um, and they are, you know, they have the opportunity to, to make your life miserable, they do. Um, so... Yeah. Hey, well, that, that says more about uh, either the, the lack of experience or awareness or the degree of confidence that they have in their own ability. And, you know, and, and I think you and I are humble enough to realize, actually, you know, perhaps we weren't as confident as we should have been. And perhaps that, you know, that, that, exercise, that exercising of our ego was a way of compensating just you know, for the threat that we felt from these people that we had the privilege to lead. And I, and I think, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think, I think the years of experience bring you to a point where you can actually, that, that, that's converted into wisdom. You didn't have the, it was perhaps, you knew then perhaps it was the, the right or wrong thing to do, but the wisdom now tells us actually, do you know what, there's a whole nother way there. And, and you talking about, you know, people's lives and, and just, yeah, I mean, crikey, if we could change the thing, but you, yeah, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, but, but that's what learning is all about. And that's what you and I kind of get. No, I, 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 think, sorry, I think, I think you're absolutely spot on about, you know, um, people feeling threatened or, or people feeling under pressure. Cause that, again, it goes back to the reason why we get promoted. Right. Um, so if I, if I'm a designer, for example, and I get promoted to lead designer, right. And, and I now have three or four people uh, uh, working just slightly below me. Right. Um, if they're really smart and they're really good, I might feel threatened, right? And I might, I might feel like my position is threatened. So by coming in and abusing that power, I put them in their place. I put them in check. And that, that I might feel like I'm securing my position, but all I'm creating is resentment. Um, yeah. So instead of leveraging you know, the brain power of the people that are working for me and letting them shine and therefore kind of you know, elevating myself in a way, Although, be it a passive way, right? I, I, you know, a lot of people make the mistakes that they they feel threatened by the people that are uh, that they're responsible for. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about the, the games industry for a bit. I mean, I, I, I am a gamer in that I grew up with. I mean, it's, it just blows my mind that the video games industry is about as old as I am. I'm, I'm in my fiftieth year now, approaching it, and so I've seen the birth and uh, and the evolution of it from. From the BBC Acorn computer through to what we what we've got now, um, and the reason why we're doing this episode, by the way, in the morning is my teenage boy isn't awake yet because if he did, the Wi-Fi just gets drained with with the um, the <laughs> Xbox getting a good kicking. But um, it's interesting how culturally the video game studios and, and particularly sort of tech companies. For me, culture isn't about just having. Um, you know, table football games and arcade machines and coffee machines and, and, and groovy kind of furniture. And yet a lot of people think that great cultures are made by just having these really kind of cool places to hang out. But, you know, you and I have experienced many studios have got all those trappings, but are not particularly good places to, 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 to live and breathe. So what in your experience makes a, for a good culture, I guess, for the video games industry, but probably is applicable across most industries, I guess. Uh, I think I think you're absolutely right. I, I think things like foosball tables and and you know drinks machines and you know space where you can spread out and all that stuff. Um, that's that's an environment, right? Not a culture. Um, and a good environment definitely can 
facilitate uh, culture. I think like the easiest for me to talk about is 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 really splash damage, and this is something that that you know we can get onto that a little bit later. But in many ways, Modern Wolf is an extension of splash damage. My co-founder Fernando also you know comes from splash damage. Yeah. Um, but what what was different at splash damage um, with regards to culture is you were you were according to the values and, and, and the company had very clear distinct values right and according to the values you were you were challenged almost on a daily basis to to speak up um, you were challenged on a daily basis to collaborate um, and you were challenged on a daily basis to to find your own solutions and and to find your own ways and I think what was different at Splash compared to other companies I've been at before is the values weren't just words on a wall. Um, they were what the leadership made of them. And we were fortunate that there was a couple of leaders in the company and in the organization that championed those values. Um, so I think culture, good culture comes from, uh, good culture in a company comes from, from values being lived. Right mm-hmm. and 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 values actually being enforced uh, and and reinforced, um, you know, just having words on the wall saying these are our these are our values and and here's here's a nice great breakout room with a foosball table and a ping pong table and, and arcade machines, you know, now you got you know you you have a great culture it doesn't work like that, yeah. um, you know, just because a company says they're um, they're self-reliant or they're autonomous or, you know, they, they, they appreciate mastery as a value. It doesn't mean anything. If, if, if there is no initiatives behind it that kind of, you know, cement those, those values into actual living and breathing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really fortunate because, um, you know, maybe I was, you know, naive and, and, and zealous in that regard. But I went in and I loved the values and they resonated with me because they're very close to my own. Um, and I was given free reign together with a producer on, on my project. Um, and my producer thought exactly the same way I did in, with regards to the values, with different approaches to different things, obviously with different, different human beings. But the two of us were given autonomy of our project so we ran the team according to the values and, and according to, to how we wanted the culture to be. And it worked incredibly well. Um, we literally gave people autonomy to make their own decisions. We trusted people. We asked them to speak up and to tell us when we were wrong and, and all these things. And over time, um, the project became, you know, and the team became incredibly high performing. And I think that's... Uh, that's a testament of a, of a good culture, right? And, and we had very, very low staff turnover on, on our project and yeah. the studio as a whole at the time. So. And, and of course, the nature of, of video game projects is, you know, the, 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 the pressure, the time pressure to hit milestones and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the tendency sometimes to, to crunch, you know, it's, you know, it's part and parcel almost of, of the industry. But I, I think where you've kind of really cracked it is that, that was very rarely the case. I mean, you, I think from what I saw, you always got the best out of your team. So give us, give us, some, you know, the, me and the listener, um, a, an idea of, it's one thing to talk about, and, and previous guests on this, on, on this podcast have talked about, it's more than just having a poster on the wall. It's more than just the mm-hmm. environmental factors. But how do, how do you as a leader sort of incrementally, day by day, build that culture? Because I think 
everyone gets the, the 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 larger, broader kind of canvas of that. But what 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 do you actually do day by day or moment by moment that kind of starts to develop that? I I think the first thing um, that that you need to realize when you when you step into a leadership role is is to let go of your day job. Um, so in my case, I was a designer and I was a creative director, right? Um, and the, the, the only good thing I can say about myself that is universally true is I always knew I wasn't the world's best designer. I was all right and I'm still okay and I have a lot of good ideas, but I wasn't the world's best designer. So I've never had that, that, that kind of flaw that I, I think a lot of like, um, you know, people at the top of their game or at the top positions think that they're like, they're the best in the room. Um, I never had that illusion, fortunately. And I always leveraged um, the, the skills and, and knowledge of the people around me. Um, but when you go into like a real leadership position, in my case, together with my producer, we were responsible for anywhere between 55 and 75 people at the height of the project, right? Um, you've got to let go of, of the little tiny things. Like you cannot design, I, I, I can't design a mechanic or a system in a game anymore, right? Because that, that focuses me so much down in the weeds that I lose sight of everything else in the bigger picture. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is, you 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 have to reinforce your your approach to leadership every day. I I still maintain that that good leadership is actually easy um, because it's it's you know we've we've all read hundreds of books and we've gone through your course and and all that stuff and and the principles are actually common sense and they're they're reasonably simple. The hard part is to do it every day and yeah. and repeat it every day and to remind yourself every day that this because it's easy. The, the best example is, right, I have, you know, 13, 14 years this experience of a designer. If I have a junior designer on my team that I'm tasking with, you know, coming up with a mechanic or a system, I already have a solution in my head based on my experience. And it would be super easy for me to tell him exactly what to do. And I would, he would then do exactly my approach, yeah. but then I might as well do it myself. Yes. He or she might come up with a much better solution, but it might take them longer. And that's the hard part is the hard part is not to shortcut um, answers and solutions, but to actually allow the team to come up with their own solutions because that's reinforcing the right leadership style. Um, so that's that. the hard part is really just doing it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad you, you said that because, I mean, this I'm very much, as you know, and also that this podcast is all about just really, it, it is quite a simple process. I mean, a, a, a dear friend and mentor of mine said leadership is all about um, get the basics right and treat the people well but you have to do that on a regular consistent basis and it's not something that you switch on and off it's just something that you do and it's an activity it's a it's very much a verb it's very much you modeling that behavior but so many people have this sense of all these sort of the, the complexity of leadership it's not it's very simple but it's the the discipline to show up every day, the discipline to do it, and you know all those other things. So I'm, I'm glad you you you, you pulled that out. Um, yeah, it's 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 fascinating. It's um, so so. Talk me about Modern Wolf. This this decision of yours and Fernando's to go it alone. Perhaps realize that that dream that you, you you'd been harboring. Tell me about that decision because that's uh, that's a big step, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it was mad, really. Um, I never, I never had any aspirations at all of running my own company. Um, I, I, and as a matter of fact, at, at Splash Damage, I, I was happier than I'd ever been 
in any other point in my career. Um, I had I had one of the best teams ever in the industry. I think they were incredibly high performing. Everybody was aligned with the style of leadership that that I had uh, and was thriving under it. Um, I was in, in in a really good uh, standing and, and and communication with the leadership above me. So it it, it was by for all intents and purposes, it was it was a dream job, and it was it was I was comfortable, and I I didn't really have to stretch myself. And I think that was kind of like one of the things I realized talking to Fernando is like I wasn't really stretching myself anymore. And and also I had one hell of a a senior designer coming up after me, and and you know I was running the risk of of keeping that person down um, just to stay. In, in my comfy role, right? And not, not giving them the room, the room to kind of stretch upwards. Um, yeah. So when Fernando talked to me about his idea for Modern Wolf, it, it really was at exactly the right time and things just clicked. Um, and I saw like the, the, the main reason, I'm not very experienced in publishing. I started my career with a publisher, but that was in, in a completely different department. And I've worked with almost every major games publisher um, out there in, during, during my career on various projects. But what I saw is, as an opportunity was, and this is very much in line with Fernando's vision and Fernando's kind of pillars for Modern Wolf, I saw the opportunity to take what I had kind of practiced at Splash Damage, that, that care of people and putting people above everything else and propagate this out from a publisher towards all the developers. And this is something that the industry just doesn't do at the moment, I think. Um, most of the time, publishers um, can be quite predatory. Um, most of the time, they're focused on profit above people. Um, and Fernando and I really want to, to change that and, and, and flip it on its head. Because we fundamentally believe that if you, if you care about people, they will create a great product, which then in turn cares about the people, customers, and that over the, over the long run will, will create profit. Um, so for me, it was, it was almost a bit of an experiment. It was like, can I take what I've learned at Splunch um, and what I've, what I've practiced in a very intimate kind of, we were all on one floor, everybody was working together. Mm. And can I apply the same principles working remotely with teams across the globe? And can I help make those studios and companies become better um so that that's what would really kind of was like that was the exciting bit for me um yeah. and and really that's that's what we're trying to do and so i guess with this coronavirus situation we find ourselves in that model works perfectly well really because you're a small core team in london but you're working with dev studios wherever yeah. And, and using a lot of this sort of, you know, video conferencing functionality and, and piece like that. Okay, you're not doing the face-to-face -face in the moment, uh, sorry, in-person piece, but I'm, I'm presuming this hasn't really affected you too much? No, um, you know, we have studios. We only actually work with one studio in the UK. Um, they're also based here in London. Um, all our other studios are remote, ranging from, from Indonesia to France to North America. Um, and... Our day-to-day -day kind of is exactly the same. We have weekly catch-ups and, and check-ins with the devs where we spend time with them. Um, you know, we work with the projects. We, we, we use Slack um, where all our projects have, you know, their own channel. So we talk with the developers on a daily basis. Um, nothing really 
you know, the, the, the thing I miss at the moment, I think the, the thing we all miss is, is the human interaction, right? So mm-hmm. it's actually, it's great to be in, a, in an office because you have an idea and someone else can immediately bounce, bounce yeah. off and, and, and that, that stuff's missing. Mm. Um, so I would say we're probably not operating at a hundred percent, but we're, we're not far off, right? Um, because we, 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 we just step up the, the visual the, or the video comms. Um, so we have calls several times a day. We have a morning standup where everybody is there. Everybody talks about what they do and what their thoughts are. And then we have an evening standup as well, um, where we kind of close the books on the day and look forward to the next day. So we, we very much focus on, on constant communication. Uh, and we do the same with our developers, basically. And that, that, that's a, yeah, that, that repetition, that keeping people informed in the loop and just that yeah. cadence around that's really important. And, uh, and it links really quite nicely with that, that thing about regular consistent activity to build a great culture. I mean, that's, that's what you're doing, no matter what the, the mechanism means are. Um, I just want to kind of bring us sort of to the, the, the back end of this episode now, talking about you personally and, and how you've managed things like transitioning from employment to you know, starting your own company with Fernando. Um, you're, you're now far more responsible perhaps for the financial aspects of it and you've got those dev studios. When you're faced with, I mean, you strike me as a guy that kind of takes everything in his stride, um, Andreas, but you know, you're only human after all. So, so what, how do you kind of keep on your game or just in those moments of self-doubt, how, how do you kind of get through those? Uh, well, I actually, I fall back onto, onto something that we use in the games industry for every game. Um, so for every game, when, when we design a game, we have, we have an overall vision and then we have supporting pillars, right? Um, and, and the pillars act as, as razors to make decisions. Um, so for, for me personally, and also for us as a company, you know, our vision is, is to, to, to change the model uh, of, of video games publishing and indie publishing uh, on its head and, and, you know, to create happiness um, for our developers. Um, and so our, our, our one pillar is, is basically developers come first all the time, right? And, and so I, it's really easy for me to make decisions and actually for everybody in the team to make decisions because um, I use those pillars to help me, right? So if, if I need to make a call or a decision, all I ask myself is like, how, does this benefit the developers? Um, if, if the answer to that is no, I just don't do it. Um, if the answer to that is yes, then I, then I proceed. So, so we use our company pillars and our, our company kind of vision to help us with, with that. And that, that is really important right now as we work remotely, right? Because I don't talk to Fernando like every minute of every day. Um, and I trust him to make decisions in the best interest for our developers and then he trusts me to make decisions in the best interest of our developers. So it's our developers first, then our customers, and then finance is the third kind of pillar, right? Because again, we believe you know hitting the first pillar and the second pillar automatically translates into, into yeah. profit in the long run. Um, so this is kind of how we how we run the company, and everyone in the company uh, can make decisions on their own. They don't need to constantly check with me or Fernando whether something is okay or not. Um, so. That's kind of what, what's helped me uh, keep keeping straight. And if in doubt, right, if I have any doubts about anything, I literally just take a, take a moment and I, I think, how does this support the overall vision and, 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 you know, overall pillars of the company, basically? 
So how did that apply then in your personal life when you made that transition from employment to business owner, you know, and you had to hand in that resignation and you, you, you kind of made that final step. Clearly, the, the company pillars and everything else like that don't come in yet because you perhaps haven't conceived of those. Do, do you apply that same sort of logic and structure to managing your own state? Uh, yeah, well, obviously, I have my own values and my own purpose. Um, and, and my purpose is very much um, like, again, through through the, the training we had at Smash with you, right? Like, I never really thought about my own core purpose before. I never really thought about exploring that before. Um, but what I, what I realized that my purpose is very much not as a designer, um, you know, making the best possible video game, um, that just happens what I do in, in, at that point in time, but my purpose is very much about, um, facilitating high performance and happiness in, in other people. And that's like, I use the skills that I have, which is my, my creative element, my, my design element, and also the leadership skills that I have now to, to facilitate that, right? Um, and it kind of also gels with my personality type, right? So you do your, your uh, Myers-Briggs personality types and all that stuff. Um, and, and that's kind of like, um, as I said, it's, it's an, Modern Wolf is an extension of what I did previously. And this is what helped me with that transition. I was like, I don't see my, my, my role differently. I basically see my clients as being differently. Well, the people in my care are different, right? They're no longer a team that is locally based where I'm in the middle of it where I go in every morning and, and I greet everybody by name and, and I know everybody, you know, personally. My, my, the people in my care now sit across the globe and they have other priorities and other means and, and, and they have other, other desires and they have other problems, right? Uh, so it's, it's a learning aspect for me to get to know them and, and find out what they need and, and, and how I can best facilitate for them. Um, but my core purpose is exactly the same. Yeah. And, and and what I love about this, Andreas, and, and you may not be aware yet, but um, the previous episodes we've had so far, we, we've had people talking about coaching. We've had people talking about um, their own sort of values and, and you're talking about culture. But increasingly, I'm seeing a pattern where everything really comes down to that foundational aspect of of purpose, of values, in the Simon Sinek's, you know, start with why. And it shouldn't surprise us. And, and, and no doubt this will be an enduring theme throughout all these episodes. No matter what we're talking about on the surface level, it all comes down to core because that, that, that time when you have to give yourself the chat, quite often give yourself the chat is about reminding about what path you're on or how far you've deviated from it and making that course correction. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not about sort of mental hacks and, and tips and tricks. It's foundational stuff. And, and if there's one thing I can get across with these episodes is that this work is really worthwhile doing, whether you're a manager, a leader, a team member, or just want to be a better human being. You've got to go to work on yourself and you've got to go to work on that foundational piece because everything is built off it. No, and I think um, a lot of people uh, that maybe have not had the privilege to to learn about this or read up on it or, or have instruction on this, right? Uh, I think a lot of people confuse their core purpose with, with, with their job, right? Um, so I'm a creative director, therefore my core purpose is to make amazing video games. Uh, that's very, very, that can be the case, but it's very, very rarely the case, right? I think if, if you actually identify your core purpose properly and you really, like, for me, it's a very, very easy decision um, point again i use it as a, as a razor right is whatever i'm doing right now is that making me happy right 
Because if 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 chances are that if, if you're doing something that's making you happy and you're 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 happy doing it, you're you're close to your core purpose, right? Or it is very much aligned with your core purpose. Yeah. And if you figure out what your core purpose is, you can do anything you want. Like you can I, I could become a farmer tomorrow, right? As long as I use my my farming skills to help other people get better at farming potentially. Yeah. Um, so, so whatever it is you do, like the job is just, is just the tools, right? Um, if you identify your core purpose, you can, you can shift, you can adapt to current situations. Um, like, like you're doing yourself right now, your core purpose, it doesn't matter whether there is a lockdown right now, you have found other ways of, of using your core purpose yeah. to progress what you're, what you like, what you love doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now that, that's a, that's a very good point. I think it's a nice point to, to finish off this chat andreas you know we we could kind of speak all day long on all this yeah, kind of stuff we're very passionate I, i'm really really grateful to you my friend that you've taken the time to to chat with me today and um and and i look forward to getting you on at a future episode down the road and, and i wish modern wolf the, the very best of luck and success uh you and fernando and the team there you're doing something great you're, you're kind of breaking the model and you're people-centered which has got to be the hallmark of a great game we hope so we uh, hope so. The proof proof lies in the pudding. So far, I think we're we're doing okay. Um, and and you know, I'm 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 cautious by nature in a lot of ways. And and all, all we can do is our best. We we stick to our guns. We stick to what we want this company to be. And I I think time will will prove us right. Brilliant, Andreas. Thanks for joining me on. Give yourself the chat, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Peter. Take care. I just love talking to Andreas uh, about leadership, culture, values, purpose. Uh, the guy just gets it and he's been an absolute pleasure to work with over the years and has been fundamental into the success of the leadership program that uh, I rolled out at Splash Damage. And I'm glad to say that he's carried that on into his latest venture, Modern Wolf, which I just know is going to be a huge success. Uh, he and Fernando there are building a fantastic team. I hope you enjoyed that that episode. Uh, I really enjoy speaking to my guests. And uh, if you'd like to suggest anyone that you would like me to interview then the conversation is going on over at LinkedIn uh, come and connect with me uh, get involved in some of the conversations and also uh, suggest the way the topics and the guests that you'd like me to to interview but in the meantime uh, take care of yourself and I shall see you on the next one